one of my friends, well, both of my friends was arrested. Um, Fraser and Moore that day was arrested on petty larceny. I believe the case um, was um, with this case. Uh, you know, I sent a, a letter um, previously after, like a day after, two days after, I sent a letter stating um, what happened in, written, in written detail. Um, I sent it to administration as well as the head of uh, police, of university police as well, um, exactly what happened, given, you know, in more specifics, what happened um, prior to this, prior to them being arrested. Um, I wasn't given no contact information to receive a contact. I also uh, wanted to rectify the issue by having a meeting and explain uh, what exactly happened. But as a result of this um, misunderstanding, I was forcibly kicked off the campus with uh, 24 hours given to gather my belongings and uh, relocate off the campus. So when they was arrested, I sent that letter um, <clears throat> to the administration, like I said, and uh, university, the chief of university police. Um, I wasn't giving any type of... Uh, communication back or contact back prior to believe to maybe like four to five weeks after the situation. All right, so let's back up. One of the friends that he's referring to, that's Andre. You've actually met him before in the first episode. It was just like home. It's like the city over there. That's my boyfriend, Andre Lynch. So this episode, it's pretty personal. And this is episode three of Jim Crow on campus. For this episode, you'll be hearing two people, Andre Lynch. My name is Andre Lynch. Yeah, so um, I'm, and I, I'm an alum of SUNY Canton. Um, I attended from 2011 to 2013. Graduated with a bachelor degree in law enforcement leadership and management. Um, uh, from there, uh, I went on to get my master's degree from St. Lawrence University. Uh, achieved that this past summer, and now I'm a doctoral student, um, looking to get my doc, uh, my EDD in organizational leadership in higher education. And Deshaun Walker. My name is Deshaun Walker. I'm 21 years old, and I'm a sophomore at SUNY Canton. Deshaun originally came to SUNY Canton to pursue a degree in either nursing or dental hygiene, but decided to switch to healthcare business administration. My general experience at Canton been good and bad. Um, uh, the good, it been seeing diversity, um, seeing different people, um, how we communicate, different relationships that are made. Um, through various activities such as joining like brother to brother, that's a club. Um, joining a, a multicultural fraternity, um, I got to be around a lot of people with different personalities, personas, <clears throat> as well as a different perspective to life. Um, when I came to college, I wanted to be a person who could 
affect the community in good ways. So I wanted to be a person that lead by example. Also, I wanted to be a person who gained knowledge as well as experience. So um, I joined um, CSTEP, which is a minority program that um, helps um, you afford books um, through like uh, loan, library loan distributions. Um, I also wanted to be a person who was able to mentor as well because I received mentors um, of getting to this point. And I also wanted to be involved in doing that within my community as well as like my college experience. So I definitely wanted to be involved in all positive attributes. Deshaun opted to stay on campus for the summer. It's not uncommon for students to do this, usually when life back home isn't the most comfortable. Normally, though, it's the veteran students, ones that have formed relationships with faculty and staff on campus and have maneuvered their way into a summer job. Deshaun did this as a freshman. He landed a job and an internship. Over the summer, I was uh, staying in the suites, Kennedy Hall. Um, I was working um, for the aerospace camp that is um, conducted by LPP. I was working um, with them. I was also doing an internship um, as student ambassador, which was a direct um, relation to my intended career of healthcare business administration, um, doing basic clerical office skills and settings. Um, during the summer, I um, was staying with RA at the time. Um, it was me, him, and another tenant. Um, my bed was stacked twice as high, so I couldn't um, properly get on my bed. After noticing there was a vacant room for about approximately a couple of days, three to four days, I asked the RA, um, hey, do you mind if we put this stuff in a room? So he helped me disassemble my belt bed. I put the extra parts in a room that was vacant, that we uh, believed to be vacant. Um, he yelled out the door. I put the the bed frame within the bunk bed. We had suspected the room. We seen um, a couple of items that was there, a TV and flippers. Um, we briefly spoke about the items, um, saying that we believed they were both to be abandoned. That was a conclusive um, conversation that these items were abandoned, that they had been left. Um, prior on later down that week, um, I was cutting one of my friend's hair and he noticed the room was open. So he asked me what was in it. I told him um, it was items that was left to be abandoned that me and Ari had spoke about. He asked, could he take them? I said, um, sure, because that was a conclusive statement or general idea that me and Ari came um, together with that the items were abandoned. And here's Andre. This past summer, I, um, I needed to get a haircut this past summer. And, oh, if... If no one that's listening knew, let me preface with that. Uh, I'm African-American and I live in the North Country. So there's not many places that you can go. Actually, there's none um, to go to get your hair cut if students are not um, are not here. So this was over the summer, summer break. I went on campus because one of my fraternity brothers was actually staying on campus um, for the summer. And um, I went to his room in what was formerly known as Grass River Suites, I believe Kennedy Hall or Kennedy Suites now. Um, so I went there to get my hair cut and I'm sitting down in his suite. And as I'm sitting down, I noticed one of the rooms um, of the suite uh, is wide open, like the door is wide open. And there are like a few things like sitting on 
uh, the bed. And then there's like a bunch of other stuff around the room, just kind of like looks like it was like stored in there. And I, I asked who room whose room it was to my fraternity brother who was cutting my hair. And he told me that it was a vacant room that uh, him and his other sweet mates were using as storage. Um, so I just went into the room and I noticed that there were a pair of um, swimming uh, goggles and snorkels and uh, flippers um, and on top of the bed. And I was and I asked like, oh, is this one of your roommates, you know, uh, swimming gear or anything like that? And he assured me that, nope, it was, you know, the past uh tenant who vacated the room about a week ago and um so everything you know that he left behind was up for grabs because this was um usual usual protocol like if people leave things in rooms over breaks um it gets put into like a uh i don't know usually the lobbies of the dorms for like people to kind of just have um it's like kind of free game open game whoever wants to grab whatever could usually grabs whatever so so i didn't think twice about it he my frat bro told me that they were using the room room as storage and um that i can take the snorkel and the flippers no problem so um i walked out uh and had the snorkel and flippers um i was also with my girlfriend at the time um who is aaron (laughs) the host of this podcast and um so i was with her so she grabbed a few things and i grabbed a few things and we um walked out um, a couple days later, I get a call from my fraternity brother, Deshaun, the the same one who's sweet. Um, I got the stuff from, and he's frantic on the phone, just saying, "Listen, university police are here. They're saying that we broke into a room and stole stuff." So when he took the items, um, approximately two days later, the person who items was came to the room, and he asked me, "Did I see them?" I'm like, "Yeah." But I found it strange that nobody never told me I was getting another tenant because we believed the room to be vacant. So he came with university police. They asked me that I um, see the evidence. I mean, the evidence or the, the things that was stolen, quote unquote. I told him, like, yeah, I gave him away thinking that there was abandoned property. He came back with university police. And before I could, like, really talk to him on the one one level, he came back with university police uh, asking me, did I see the things? I told him, yeah, I had some friends over. The room was left um, vacant. Um, with these items I had given away, but I, I'm locating them. So, so when University Police came, mm-hmm. like, how was that? How was that interaction? That interaction with me, um, I never had a problem with the law before in my life. So that interaction with me was uh, pretty scary. Um, I felt a little criminalized from the start in the tone and the assertiveness that they had in the the uh, voice. So when he asked me, he began questioning me about the items. I told him like I had some friends over. Um, and that, you know, I will locate these items. So I closed my door so I can uh, contact my friends and my associates. Uh, all I hear is a knock saying that, you know, can you hurry up, um, and find these and locate these items. And I'm like, I'm working as fast as I can. You know, it, it was no patience being exhibited. It was more like a criminalized, uh, action saying like I stole them or I let, let lead way to steal them. So then they, uh, checked the storage unit that they had them at. Um, I told the the guy that um that yeah I located your items and I was on my way to get them. So then uh, they called me. I gave him my personal cell phone number. They called me as well as saying um yeah um, where you at etc. For a question, I told him I was in Boston locating these items as well. 
he was just kind of just saying, I don't know what to do. Like, um, you know, we got to get the stuff back here. And I said, okay, just slow down, slow down. It was just a misunderstanding. Let me, you know, I'll grab the flippers. They're right at my house. I'll grab the flippers and I'll bring them right to you. No problem. Um, so I grabbed the stuff at my house and within maybe 15, 20 minutes, I was on campus, um, with Deshaun and, um, I guess there were other items inside of the room. Um, there was a, a little small, maybe a 10 or 12 inch TV, I believe that, um, um, everyone in the suite thought was broken that Deshaun had given to someone else. Um, uh, another friend that, that had stopped by, uh, stopped by the suite um, earlier in the week and um, they needed a TV and he told them that, hey, I think that TV's broken, but you're welcome to take it because the last person like left it. It's a small little TV. So when I got to campus with the with the snorkeling gear, um, Deshaun told me that he needed a ride to go grab the TV from the other person. So I said, oh yeah, no problem. Like we can go grab that too. So we drove off campus, got the TV, had all of the um, stuffed together and university police calls Deshaun um, demanding that he uh, return to campus and hurry up with the stuff. And he's on the phone letting them know that he's trying his best to get it. Like he, you know, he's, he's sorry. And um, I realized the, uh, the angst in his voice. So, so I, what I did was um, I, I asked him to give me the phone and I spoke to the officer and I, I asked who it was. It was a little tit for tat back and forth because they didn't want to tell me who they were and I was being stubborn and didn't tell them who I was and eventually they let me know that um, it was uh, Officer Philotrot. It was Seth Philotrot. Um, funny because uh, I didn't mention this before but I also attended the SUNY Canton Police Academy. It's the David Sullivan Law Enforcement Academy at their campus um, as an internship during my undergraduate and um, so a lot of these officers on the force, I um, either have physically attended the academy with them or um, they were instructors at the academy while I was a cadet. So Seth Philotrot was one of uh, our defensive tactics instructors. So I knew him very, very well. Um, so, I'm, so I just get on. I'm say, hey, Seth, you know, um, big misunderstanding, man. Um, we grabbed some stuff out of the dorm that we thought. Uh, that was given to us that we thought, you know, uh, was abandoned stuff. And um, we're right on our way to the department right now to to bring everything back. Um, we apologize for the inconvenience, the miscommunication. And so we bring everything back um, to the university police department. And I immediately start getting uh, <laughs> just hammered with questions. Now, I brought them back to a university police in Dana Hall. And I told them this was a misunderstanding. Um, we brought everything back, including the flippers and the TV. And then we uh, handed it to him. And then we wanted to give him a formal apology and uh, explain the situation. Um, they treated it like it was evidence in a criminal case. From my, like, what I can recall, I don't, it was a very, like, uh, misshapen. I feel like the situation was kind of one-sided. And when I was explaining to it, it wasn't more, it was like uh, we were trying to deceive them or be deceitful um, with it. And I'm like, nah, this is exactly what happened. Like, this is totally misunderstanding. Um, I never had so much as a, as a write-up or a referral in the dorms or a misconduct of action um, at the school or college or, you know, in my life. So I have no criminal record. And, like, he's just treating me like a class one. I feel like a class one criminal because, like, it's saying whatever I'm saying, it sounds like a lie or, like, I'm trying to deceive him. Like, that's not the case at all.
So I try to, you know, give the the guy a formal apology for things it was. Like, you know, I gave everything back. I don't think there's any harm done. Like, this was an honest misunderstanding. And, like, I remember the police officer saying, like, he doesn't understand how this could be a misunderstanding. Like, students, especially, like, students that live in a city, leave a lot of things. Um, I personally know students who, uh, you know, gave away mini fridges as well as microwaves. Um, because they could not accompany all the items back home. So that's just um, personal. I know people who have sneakers as well because they couldn't accompany everything and they wasn't returning. So if he were just saying, like, I don't understand how this could be, you know, a misunderstanding, things like that. Um, then, you know, when I tried to, you know, formally apologize to the guy, it was very much um, inconclusive. It was like they wanted to leave parts out and it was very skeptical at this point. So when they told me that, they didn't understand how it could be a misunderstanding. We was um, giving them different analogies and synopsis of how this could be transcended into a different situation and make them understand it was very close-minded. And a part of that, I feel like it was racially motivated because you don't see a lot of um, African-American students that stay after the semester and or try to work or progress the college campus um, after the semester is over by interning. Yeah, so uh, what made you... What made you feel like it was racially motivated? Like, was there anything? Um, the content in which I was being talked to, I felt very um, degraded as a man. First and foremost, I know I felt like it was definitely a lack of respect, and um, I felt like respect was being given, but it wasn't being received in that same sense. And it's funny because I'm very, very in tune with with law enforcement and law enforcement tactics. So, as they're speaking to me, um, I don't know if they forgot that. Uh, you know, I have a bachelor's degree in law enforcement and I attended the police academy that they also attended. Um, so it was just kind of comical, like how <laughs> how they were speaking to me and how they were trying to put me down. And um, I kind of, you know, just kept brushing it off and just saying, hey, like, this is exactly what happened. We didn't maliciously break into anyone's room or anything like that. Like, it was complete misunderstanding. Here's the stuff. And um, I'd like to be on my way. And as I tried to leave, um, they told me that I could not leave. I said, am I being detained? Um, are you arresting me? Like, because if not, I'm leaving. Um, I'm leaving the, the station right now. And they, and right when I said that and started to make the move to leave, they asked me to come into a room and I was placed under arrest. Um, first time I've ever been arrested in my life. Uh, it was... Um, Shocking, I guess, could, could could be the appropriate word. Um, disheartening, shocking, um, just just very, I don't know, put me kind of in a state of just like contemplation about like what the hell was I like even doing in the North Country right now? Like <laughs> I didn't even understand. Like I really, really blew me away that I could live for, how old was I then, 24? I must have been this was last summer yeah so how I could live for 25 years and never have a, a run-in like this but um, the campus police from my alma mater felt it was appropriate to arrest me for a complete misunderstanding that I fully explained to them let me butt in here for a second so I was actually in the police station during this interaction in fact I was present for every step of this story. I was in Deshaun's room while Andre got his hair cut. I actually was the nosy person who stumbled upon the flippers and snorkel. 
When we left Deshaun's suite, I carried the snorkel and Andre carried the flippers. I was with Andre when we got the frantic phone call from Deshaun. And I was there when we returned all of the items to the university police station. But when we arrived, I was told to wait in the waiting area. They didn't question me or even look in my direction for that matter. I played just as much of a role in this situation as Andre did. I was literally next to him during every single step. There's an obvious difference between Andre and I. He's a black man and I'm a white woman. He's viewed as a threat, a thief, and I'm not. We did the exact same thing. I have never witnessed a clear-cut act of blatant discrimination and racism coming from police officers in my entire life. Here's what happened with Andre. Um, so, yeah, I went through the whole uh, the whole arrest process, you know, fingerprinting. Um, I was put into cuffs, put into handcuffs and placed in the back of the patrol car and driven, uh, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes to a court in Colton Pierpont, which is, uh, you know, about 10, 15 miles away from Canton. Um and this was in the evening, so it was, it was dark, dark out. I was petrified in the back of that cop car because, um, I don't know, you watch movies of like black people getting in cop cars and then <laughs> getting out at the, you know, the station or the courthouse all bruised and beaten. And they're like, oh, you, you tripped down the steps or, oh, watch your head getting in. The, like just everything just started flashing through my mind. Um about what could go um, brutally awry on this uh, 15-20 minute drive in the middle of the woods with these two officers that obviously had some type of uh, uh, some type of malice or bone to pick um, uh, towards me. So it was just it was it was frightening in that respect as well. Andre was charged with petty larceny, a Class A misdemeanor in New York State. According to Article 155 of the New York State Penal Code Law, quote, a person steals property and commits larceny when, with intent to deprive another of property or to appropriate the same to himself or to a third person, he wrongfully takes, obtains, or withholds such property from an owner thereof, end quote. The law is a funny thing. To be charged with a crime in New York State, you need two things. The first is the act itself, which the law in its weird Latin calls the actus reus. The second is that the state needs to prove intent, the mens rea, Latin for guilty mind. And to prove that in Andre's case, they needed to prove that he intended to deprive the owner of the flippers and snorkel from his possessions. Here's Article 155 again. Quote, 
To deprive another of property means A, to withhold it or cause it to be withheld from him permanently or for so extended a period or under such circumstances that the major portion of its economic value or benefit is lost to him, end quote. Except that Andre didn't do that. When he got the call from Deshaun, he brought the flippers and the snorkel back. He even made a special trip to go get the TV and bring that back to campus. And the officers who charged him knew that, but here they were, booking him, cuffing him, driving him into the woods 20 miles outside of town. But you know, yeah, so I was brought through the entire motions of everything, got in front of the judge, and we chatted it up a little bit about ice fishing and hunting, and he RR'd me immediately because... It was funny though. This was this was very funny. This part, um, the judge looked at the officers <laughs> while we were at um, while we were in his chambers, and he asked, "Okay, so the goods were stolen, and you guys believe Mr. Lynch stole the goods, right?" And they say yes, and so he goes, um, "Well, none of that is denoted in your report, so like." The officers had to go outside and rewrite the entire report. This was officers Philatron and Officer Cummings. They had to um, go outside, rewrite the report, and resubmit it to the judge in order to uh, uh, be able to like actually charge me. So then after that was done, the the judge wanted them to further clarify. He asked, "Okay, so the belong so now we see that the belongings were stolen, and you believe that Mr. Lynch stole these belongings and." But it says here that the belongings were returned. Who returned the belongings? And they said, oh, Mr. Lynch returned the belongings. So then the <laughs> so then the judge looks at me and he's like, okay, this is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to speak, but I was immediately RR'd, um, brought back home by the police. Uh, and the entire time during the car ride, I was just asking them, like, you think this was, I asked them over and over again that you honestly feel this is good policing. Like, I told them, you get paid $55,000, $60,000 a year, um, and, and, this, and this is what you do with, with, your, uh, with your power and authority. This is it right here. Instead of um, turning something that could have been a complete teaching moment for students and, and myself alike, you, you took it and made it into something that... Um, turned traumatizing, um, to say the very, very least. I I believe I took it well, but um, Deshaun, my frat bro, did not uh, take it well at all. Um, it was his first time. Oh, because I didn't even tell. So Deshaun actually immediately, hours after this happened, after he made sure that he contacted everyone and made sure that the belongings were brought back to university police, he was working on campus during the summer, staying up here. He's from, from, uh, from he lives in New York, uh, in New York City. And um, so he was immediately uh, kicked off of campus. He was asked to vacate campus within a few hours, take all of his belongings off campus, and but he can keep his job. He can keep his job so he could return to campus every day to work, but he just had to figure out where in the North Country he was going to live um, after the school knew that he was a New York City student and he was literally staying on campus because... Um, he wanted to work and save up money and um, stay out of whatever drama might be back home. So knowing all of this, um, they went ahead and kicked him off of campus, arrested me, and uh, also arrested the other person 
um, who we grabbed the TV from. They brought everything back. Andre was arrested, and so was the person who took the TV. Deshaun got a phone call telling him that he had 24 hours to get off campus. He was homeless. Almost immediately after the situation happened, like all within like the same like hour of you guys returning this stuff, mm -hmm. you got a call from John Kennedy. Mm -hmm. John Kennedy is the director of residence life at SUNY Canton. He's the son of former SUNY Canton president Joseph Kennedy. The dorm that Deshaun was staying in that summer, Kennedy Hall, it's named after his dad. Yeah, that call was basically what I just stated, uh, saying I had 24 hours to leave um, and to gather my things and leave the campus. Um, within that call, he asked me what happened. I explained the situation. I felt like it was no empathy being given or even like sympathy. It was very just, yeah, you uh, sorry for your mistake, but... I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Um, I believe the campus could have handled that in different situations. I could have been re relocated to a different suite or different or a different like dormitory or anything like that. Uh, so at that force, at that point, I was um, forcibly homeless um, in Canton, New York for the duration of my summer. The SUNY Canton Student Handbook, I'm reading from page 28 here, defines theft as follows. Quote, a person is guilty of theft when he or she, knowing property not to be his or her own, takes such property for his or her own use, pleasure, or possession, and theft of services. Except Deshaun didn't do that. He didn't take anything, and he certainly didn't take anything for his own use. He asked his RA if the property was abandoned, and when he was told yes, he repeated that to Andre and his other friend. Nonetheless, he was given what's called an interim suspension and kicked off campus. This is page 29 of the student handbook. Quote, while normally no action will be taken against a student slash organization until charges have been heard in accordance with the hearing process established under the code, a student slash organization may be suspended pending a hearing on the charges whenever in the judgment of the president or the president's designee, the continued presence of the student-slash-organization would constitute a clear danger to the student or to the safety of persons or property on college premises, or would pose an immediate threat of disrupted interference with the normal conduct of college activities. During the interim suspension, the student may be denied access to the residence halls and or to the college premises, including classes, and or all other college activities, privileges, or services for which the student might otherwise be eligible, or as the Office of the Vice President for Student Affairs slash Dean of Students determines to be appropriate. If suspended in this manner, the student is entitled to an interview with the Vice President for Student Affairs slash Dean of Students or her designee in order to outline the process through which the student's actions will be adjudicated through the student judicial process, end quote. That's right, Deshaun, the student ambassador, the aerospace camp counselor, was deemed to be such a clear danger to the campus that the administration didn't care about making a student homeless. Here's Andre again. So, yeah, that was that's basically the end of the story, but the, the follow-up to that is that... Um, Deshaun, uh, was obviously distraught, homeless also. And, um, he asked me to help him draft an email to send to 
campus administration along with university police to kind of explain the situation and tell them that and basically to 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 plead to some type of uh uh plea for some type of like a disciplinary uh committee to be formed or um some type of hearing um he he wanted he wanted something he wanted to be able to defend himself and not just be kicked off a of campus with no ifs ands or buts about it um especially because he didn't uh he didn't violate any of the campus um a code of conduct at all so he wanted something, so he drafted this email. I helped him with it, and it went step by step through exactly what happened. And um, he spoke to how unfair things seemed and stuff like that. And this email was sent to John Kennedy, who is the director of residence life at SUNY Canton. It was sent to Courtney Bish, uh, who is uh, the dean of students and the uh vp for student affairs um it was sent to Kristen robert who was the uh student conduct officer it was sent to chief uh chief al, al Mokin, who was the chief of university police it was sent to zviza fran who was the president of the college and it was sent to a few other um uh administrators like who who hold like vp or dean roles um at, at that level and Deshaun got no no response. Um, so he detailed in the in the email that um, he was homeless, um, that he was just um, unjustly kicked off a of campus for something that was a complete misunderstanding, and no one um, these no one reached out to him to try to remedy the situation, um, which is uh, again extremely disheartening. Andre and I helped him write that letter. All Deshaun wanted was a hearing, which is exactly the due process he's entitled to under the rules of the student handbook. This is page 30, section 15.6, article 6. Quote, every student has the right to appear before a judicial hearing board if they choose to exercise it. The adjudicating officer can also elect to present a case to the judicial board, even if it is against the wishes of the student being charged. End quote. But Deshaun didn't get that. Here's Deshaun again, talking about his request for a hearing. Yeah, so you you explain, like, explain that you had multiple jobs over the summer, mm -hmm. so you needed to stay and you wanted to stay to, like, continue yeah, um, building yourself up. Yeah, building myself up for more of a, a resume, um, reference base, um, building myself up. As far as a student, acclimating myself to the college campus, um, you know, taking pride within the community and learning the community and being uh, more diverse within it was big for me. But um, for, for some of that part of my summer, like I said, the duration of um, my state off campus was probably about like uh, seven weeks, seven weeks. And then I was um, given a call to be reinstated back on campus to continue working um, for a program at Sony Camp. Deshaun never got the hearing he was entitled to. He was homeless for seven weeks, then got a phone call telling him he could come back on campus. The administration didn't respond to his letter. They didn't care that one of their students was homeless. Here's Deshaun again. Um, uh, when the call, um, when they called me, it was described to be a little incident on campus. Um, it was being very negligent to like all of the consequences and how like it emotionally affected me. Um, as for why I feel like the situation was overviewed, um, taken out of context, 
and just like seeing it, it was uh, probably like overlooked and like a mistake happened. Um, I have no priors, write-ups in the dorms, anything like that, or any misconduct actions at college or in my life for that matter. For Andre too, this situation was eventually cleared up. But the stress of the incident still took its toll. I shouldn't have been arrested. Deshaun shouldn't have been made homeless. The other party involved should not have been arrested. And mind you, I was able to hire a lawyer to fight this case. And um, it was completely dismissed. Um, It was almost laughable um, during court because everyone was just completely confused as to like why I was even charged. So I was charged and everything was dismissed. And... um, the other person who had the TV was not able to get a lawyer. He actually, um, he had to go with a public defender and he um, uh, got an ACD, which is in, uh, I believe it stands for like an all condition discharge. Uh, he had to stay out of trouble for a few months. I think it was six to eight months he had to stay out of trouble and everything would be wiped clean. So he had this ACD, but he also had community service as well that he had to complete. So um, yeah, I mean, just just kind of speaks to, speaks to, I mean, I'm not wealthy, but this speaks to wealth. And there's a dollar amount basically on your freedom um, as an American. And it's really not apparent uh, in any, in any other place. Deshaun told me that the incident has affected his behavior going forward. It affected me in, I believe, a number of different ways. Um, I took on a lot of emotional stress um, from this. Um, I felt criminalized. Um, I felt a little demoralized as a uh, a, per- a man of color. Um, I felt like it was no um, empathy being given. It was very authoritative. Um, it, uh, it made me feel like if I was of different, you know, skin tone, I might have been treated a little differently somehow. Or maybe the situation would have been looked at in a different perspective. Um, that was very like real to me, and it and it showed me a disinterest, a disinterest, and a, a lack of respect for my administration, my school administration, as well as the university police. Um, so now you know I see avoidance, you know, within my university police. Uh, I don't have trust within the police as well. Yeah. So just to elaborate on that, so since that happened, if you, uh, ha- so you just, you avoid university police now completely? Um, yeah, I have no reason, you know, to be stopped. Uh, you know, I put myself mostly in my dormitory room um, or, you know, I always have like an accomplice uh, alibi with me, if you might say, or somebody that can see, okay, this is what you're doing, you know, because I feel like um, if I was to get engaged, it would be their word versus my word. And just for like, you know, more support, I always, you know, keep somebody around when I walk, especially like on campus or things like that if I'm not in my dorm. For the fall semester, Deshaun didn't leave his room unless he had someone with him. Um, me personally, I only had one encounter or one real situation involving university police, and I think that shaped my reality um, as far as discontinuing to come to SUNY Canton and further my education. Okay, so this this situation with university police has made you want to leave SUNY Canton. Yes. And that's it. In January of this year, when students were coming back to campus, Deshaun wasn't there. He couldn't take it anymore. 
he left SUNY Canton. This has been the third episode of Jim Crow on Campus. I'm Erin Corbine, and my producer is Christian Exo. We're a production of Weave News, weaving the world together one underreported story at a time. Students who have faced racial discrimination in the North Country at any of the four colleges, SUNY Canton, SUNY Potsdam, Clarkson, or St. Lawrence University, who want support can visit wegotyour6.org. That's wegotyour6, as in the number six, dot org. They can help you file complaints with your school, with the New York State Office of Civil Rights, and federally with the Department of Education. If you're interested in suing individuals who discriminated against you or your school, they'll set you up with a free legal consultation with a lawyer to explain your rights.